to everyone in the entire world. Uh, it's List Them and Learn. I'm still alive. It's uh, been a very long time, but uh, I have uh, been in a self-imposed exile for a variety of reasons related to life and the world and possibly wrestling, but only one person is able to drag me back into this uh, this crazy game, and it is uh, my uh, my mentor, my hero, my idol, Mr. Joe Gagne. Uh, Joe, why did you drag me out of my uh, peaceful <laughs> retirement to make me come back and do this? I have this picture of you like having moved on from wrestling, you're volunteering in the soup kitchen, you're working on your novel, mm-hmm. things are looking up, and I just, I just reached up and I dragged you right back into the gutter. Yeah, pretty uh, much, pretty much, but <laughs> for you, I'll do anything, Joe. And uh, And being that we are recording this on uh, November 14th, 2016, less than a week away from the biggest event of the autumn, which is not something they've ever said, but Survivor Series, this year with people actually sort of looking forward to it for once. Um, Joe, you had this wonderful idea of ranking the top 10 Survivor Series, not Survivor Series matches, not Survivor Series events, but Survivor Series elimination matches. Um, so, Joe, tell me about your, uh, your soft spot for these, uh, for these wonderful matches. I can't remember what I, – I remember I was listening to um, – I think it was uh, Dylan Hales and Chris Zellner's nine-hour Greatest Wrestler Ever podcast. I think it was something they said. I remember being in my yard working, and I'm like – they said – I don't know what it was about, but I'm like, oh, we should rank the best Survivor Series matches. And this was like back in April, so I told you. You're like, yeah, that sounds great. And uh-huh. I watched like a bunch of these, and I would normally let you uh, – let you be, but I watched so many of these damn matches that I, I can't let that go to waste. I got to have something to show for it. All right, and uh, after you watched all of these many matches, what was your uh, takeaway on this particular um, genre of wrestling match? Well, my my thought was, uh, I'm going to do a deep dive. I'm going to watch a bunch of. Uh, I'm going to find some hidden gems. People are going to have their minds blown, and I, I really didn't find any. Like oh, the good ones are the ones you would expect. I, I think we'll have a lot of. A lot of crossover, but uh, yeah, you never well, know. You never know. Mm, sometimes you do, though. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I did find that uh, there are certain formulas that uh, that work well when there are uh, stakes on the line, when the match has a good flow. Maybe something eventful happens tends to help, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if we can we can spot the patterns. Yes. So as so they emerge. So my argument before we get started is. These matches, uh, this particular gimmick match, uh, was not was not good um, in general. Like it's not uh, it's not a gimmick match that uh, led to a lot of amazing matches, right? I, I don't think it's I think it's fair to say that. Um, I, I had a ton of like hey, that was pretty good, but uh, I, I couldn't see placing them on a top ten on a top ten list. Yes, but there are. I think it's a quirky enough thing that I could see us having some differences of opinion just based on like maybe like old nostalgia factors you know there there are maybe like i don't know maybe there are like four or five that are you know the classics and then Mm -hmm. i think probably about half of them probably just depend on your um your affinity for certain time periods certain wrestlers whatever but i guess you know we'll see so um 
So I will start with an honorable mention before we get to the actual okay. list, and that is the main event of SummerSlam 2010. I think if that was uh, if that happened at a Survivor Series, it would be a be a top ten. Uh, the that's the uh, NX uh, the uh, Nexus versus uh, WWE. I don't know if you counted that on your list, or you were just using Survivor Series only. I went to November uh, elimination matches only because uh, there are some that were. Uh... I remember when, like, an MSG with, like, Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, and I think Randy Savage on the same team. Mm. Or WrestleMania 7, that was uh, exquisite. Maybe that's a show for another another day. <laughs> Top yeah. 10 elimination matches, not a Survivor Series. Yeah, hmm. perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going back to the soup kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so, um, but that's my, um, I guess, my honorable mention, but let's get started on the real list. And since you, uh, since you are the aficionado of these matches, uh, I'll let you begin with oh, number 10. My number 10 was Team Kofi against Team Orton from Survivor Series 2009. And this would be Kofi Kingston, MVP, Mark Henry, Christian, and R-Truth against Randy Orton, CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, Ted DiBiase Jr., and William Regal. And this was coming off the heels of the... Uh, I'm a famous, certainly memorable angle where Kofi left Orton laying at MSG, had the whole place going crazy. It's a good fast-paced match, goes back and forth a bit, until it comes down to Kofi and uh, Christian against Orton and Punk. And Orton and Christian work for a bit, <clears throat> and they had uh, great chemistry even back then. It looks like Orton's gone until Punk makes the save, and Christian gets punched out by an RKO. And this match has some really strong near falls. So it comes down to Kofi against 2-on-1 against uh, Punk and Orton. Orton wants nothing to do with him, so he just stays on the floor. And uh, Punk and Kofi go at it. The match slows down a bit till the end. Kofi eliminates Punk with a roll-up, then immediately nails Orton with the Trouble in Paradise for the win. So he beats both guys, but not in dominating fashion. Uh, good action, really good story, and you get the sense they really could have had something with Kofi, but Orton called him stupid at TLC, and he was in for a good five years afterwards. Yeah, um, so that's my number nine. Oh. Yeah. So, How about Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, it's, that, this was during a period where I wasn't super into what was going on, but, you know, I, I was, got somewhat excited at the ascendancy of Kofi Kingston, you know, it's one of the many examples of them just, uh, you know, giving up on somebody before they gave them a chance. Um, but this was during one brief shining period where, you know, right before that happened. So I appreciated that. And like you said, fast-paced, exciting. Uh, I don't know, but I thought just pretty good, pretty good stuff. Um, my number 10 is the very first match at the very first Survivor Series. Um, Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat. Jake Roberts, Jim Duggan, Brutus Beefcake against the Honky Tonk Man, Danny Davis, King Harley Race, Hercules, and the Outlaw Ron Bass. Um, I uh, it wasn't a great match, but I think it was exemplary of the good elements of the WWF Upper Mid Card in 1987. Uh, the the face team in particular was a who's who of big stars, where you had uh, Savage and and Steamboat and Jake Roberts, all on the team. Uh, you know, Beefcake, never my favorite, but certainly was a memorable star of that era. Uh, era. <laughs> error, whatever. Um, <laughs> the uh, the heel team was uh, was not as good, but Honky Tonk Man was a super hot act at the time. I, I uh, you know, da- Danny Davis, I think, was a, was a relatively overheel considering what they did with him. Uh, ditto for Harley Race Her- and Hercules and Bass. Um, and yeah, it was during time with um, of the uh, Savage and and Honky Tonk Man feud, 
and it was a uh, which was a real you know really hot feud, and I think a lot of us remember that all the angles on Saturday night's main event, and that was probably the the best example on pay per view of that feud. I don't think they ever uh, wrestled on pay per view. They had a match on on Saturday night's main event, right? A couple matches. But they never, mm. uh, they never really wrestled on pay per view, and you, know, you got to see the, some of the early Survivor Series quirks. First of all, they were the longest matches WWE ever, WWF ever did back then on on TV. You know, this was a twenty five minute match, which you know what was the longest match on WWF pay per view history up until then? Uh, it's probably Savage versus so, Steamboat, right? Which is like 13, 14 minutes. I think it was the WrestleMania four uh, Jake and Rude fifteen minute draw. Well, that, no, that was after that, so. Oh, that would, oh, that's true. Yeah, up to this point, yeah, I think you're right. It would have been... So that that was yeah. it. It was a 25-minute match. So they, they gave them a chance to actually work a little bit. They, um, you know, had some shitty finishes. The the fi- the finale was uh, Honky Tonk Man being counted out. But, you know, th- those those guys were really good, and the characters were over, and the crowd was hot. And I thought it was a, it was a good introduction to the format. I didn't have this one on my list. It fell in the probably 20 to 10... Mm-hmm. countdown if we did an extended one it probably would have made it a lot to like about it like you said kind of kind of a lame ending honky talk man just leaves even though you know there are no stakes it, i don't know it would have been nice to see him take a pinfall at that point but yeah whatever a little i mean some of the workers especially on the heel side a little shaky but like you said kind of an all-star roster of baby faces good match just wasn't quite enough to uh, get to the promised land for me yeah like i said some of the some of the stuff is going is going to be my um you know the soft spots that i had for a uh, different different people in different eras especially in the bottom half of my list um how about your number nine my number nine was Team SmackDown of Batista, Rey Mysterio, JBL, Bobby Lashley, and Randy Orton against Team Raw of Shawn Michaels, Kane, Big Show, Carlito, and Chris Masters from 2005. And uh, Raw versus SmackDown, how timely. Yes. This is the, uh, the that match where uh, Bobby Lashley went out first and everyone just put their head in their hands. This one does have some very heavy hitters and some uh, rare interaction with Rey and, uh, and Shawn. The action's pretty solid, but it really kicks off when it gets down to a three-on-one situation with Sean against uh, Ray, JBL, and Randy Orton. Sean makes a super comeback. He's about to beat uh, Orton when uh, JBL tries to interfere. Sean fights him off and gets hit with the RKO. Like, a really strong work overall. I have it fairly low for a couple reasons. The Sean versus three men scenario had already been done to much better effect, and the commentary is just terrible. Just the announcers sniping back and forth at each other the whole match. It's, I had to turned down the volume at some point. Taz in particular earned a special place in hell for his performance (laughs) here. But that's my number nine. All right. And as you know, my number nine is uh, Team Kofi. It's uh, the Team Kofi match. So I I am going to skip right back to your number eight. All right. You did not have that match on your list? I did not have that match on my list at all. Yeah. That was, I don't know, possibly just an era where I was not engaged with that match. I just don't feel that match. You know what I mean? All right. Yeah, I've, I'd forgotten it, it existed, and clearly no one gives a shit. SmackDown won, so uh, yeah. so there you go. But my number eight, I had uh, – this is pretty recent. I had uh, The Shield and uh, I guess the real Americans of uh, Cesaro and Jack Swagger taking on Rey Mysterio, Goldust, Cody Rhodes, and The Usos from Survivor Series 2013. And uh, I was there live for this one, and I really enjoyed it and actually finally went back and rewatched it. Story's a little wonky with Roman and uh, Seth fighting back from a, a five-on-two deficit, but it's understandable given where they eventually want to go long-term. 
And the work is very strong throughout. You look at that lineup, that's not a lot of holes in that. And Cody in particular just wrestles out of his mind. This is around the time of that uh, Shield Rhodes Brothers fuse over the tag titles. And uh, by the end, Roman ends up eliminating four guys with spears. And the I mean, place just goes apeshit when he hits Rey Mysterio for the final one, which is worth some points right there. But if, I mean, that, that the whole show is kind of a, a downer, nothing of note. But if you've never seen this match, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. All right, and I have to admit that that was one of the matches I did not go back and watch. I, I have not seen that match, so okay. it was not on my list. But th- that this whole show is kind of a downer. I think is pretty common for Survivor Series. <laughs> was that fair to say? Yeah. For going back, yeah. going back like all the way. I mean, like forever. That's been true. Um, going up, probably all the way back to like 1991 when you know you had Hulk Hogan losing the title to the Undertaker. Which I don't know. When I was like eight years old and I saw that, I thought that was actually really cool. But, you know, they're just like shows where, you know, heels win and matches are disappointing and um, and all that stuff. So just a uh, very uh, uh, good line as far as that goes. Um, my number eight is probably going to make you laugh. But that's what Survivor Series uh, elimination <laughs> matches are like. So um, it is, and again, again, just personal place in my heart. Um, it is The Ultimate Warrior. Jim Neidhart and the Rockers against Bobby Heenan, Andre the Giant, Haku, and Arn Anderson from the 1989 Survivor Series. Um, uh, Bobby Heenan was uh, replacing the uh, recently suspended or fired, I I don't know which it was at this point, uh, Tully Blanchard, who uh, would never appear again as an active WWF wrestler. Um, But... It was that it was actually placed in the main event slot, despite the fact that Hulk Hogan had been on the card, and so you could really tell that they were prepping the Warrior for uh, bigger and better things. I don't know if they had yet decided that he was going to be the uh, the guy to beat Hogan at WrestleMania, but he was, uh, you know, he was certainly incredibly over. Uh, the Rockers and Arn Anderson were great in this match. Heenan was really good. I mean, the match ended basically with Warrior destroying destroying Bobby Heenan and going and riding off into the sunset. And, you know, this wasn't this wasn't a high work rate match uh, beyond those uh, three guys that I mentioned. But, the, you know, the characters worked, uh, the dynamics worked, and I think, I think if Heenan hadn't been in the match, I almost wonder if it would have been worse with just the Brain Busters, depending, I guess it would have depended on how much they would just let that match be mostly Brain Busters versus the Rockers. Um, but I thought everyone did a really good job, and I liked the booking, and uh, I like that the Warrior got the final like two minutes destroying Heenan at the end after he got rid of Anderson. Um, and you know, I've in the years, uh, the years that have passed since uh, the Ultimate Warrior's prime, I've kind of grown fond of him in his big matches. I, you know, he's sloppy. He's, uh, you know, he didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of cool, uh, real moves that he executed well. But I don't know. I just feel like he was able to work that character better. You know, his matches just they hold up better than I would think, given that he wasn't good. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I uh, I enjoyed watching it uh, even even recently. So I, I mean I, I I'm 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 sure it's not on your list. But do you have any memories? Sure. Of the, do, you, do you have any memories of the match? Oh, I, I've probably seen this match like five or so times. Like I, you know, I, I do enjoy rewatching the '89 Survivor Series, even though the matches aren't aren't the best. Uh, what's always weird about this for me is that I mean, 
Warrior eliminates Andre immediately. He gets he knocks him to the floor. He's counted out right away. Well, Andre couldn't do anything at that point. Yeah, I, yeah Andre was was. I mean, he'd win the tag titles the next month, but yeah, he was he was effectively done. And at that point, if you you know, considering Heenan, it's basically the baby faces have a four on two advantage, mm-hmm. and they barely win out in the end. It's just uh, now granted those other two men are Haku and Arn Anderson, but uh, but still, it's just that always struck me as a little bit odd. I know that I know the circumstances, you know. Andre couldn't do anything, and and uh, Tully, you know, they busted him for coke. So, but uh, still, never, never. I mean, enjoy, I'd watch that right now if it was on. But uh, nothing I, I could put on my list in good conscience. Yeah, that's fair. Um, how about your number seven? My number seven is the underdogs of Barry Horowitz, Murray Janetti, Hakushi, and Bob Holly against the Body Donnas of Chris Candide, or I guess uh, Skip. Brad Radford, uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard, and the One Two Three Kid. And 95 was a really rough year overall for the Federation. They had some talented workers, some of whom were saddled with hideous gimmicks, like <laughs> several people in this match. When the match gets going, you just kind of forget Bob Hawley's a race car driver, or Rad was doing a grunge gimmick in 1995. I mean, if you look at it, these are eight awesome guys. And um, the kid ended up replacing Jean-Pierre Lafitte. And you don't really see these, you know, like let's get all these great unheralded workers together for an elimination match. It's not something they've ever really done. They kind of spread things out. Uh, you know, they work hard and fast. The match is perfect length, just under 19 minutes. Kid has uh, just turned heel, so there's a storyline. He's cheap-shotting everyone else for eliminations. And Sid comes out for the end. He necks Marty on the top rope. But, uh, you know, Marty hits Chris Candido with a, a friggin' super bomb at this point. There's a lot of hot crazy action and it really stands out on a, on a bad year for the fed yeah i um see that's another match that i probably would not even considered going back and watching um but i do like a lot of the workers in it and to i'll give wwf some credit 1995 in grunge that's for them that that's that's close enough you that's know? recurrent yeah. that i suppose that's true yeah not 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 so bad um i did have a match from that card on there though um and i imagine since you know it's not that one you could probably guess which one it is um but that's coming up very shortly. Um, my number seven uh, is the main event of the very first Survivor Series. Hulk Hogan, Bam Bam Bigelow, Paul Orndorff, um, Ken Patera um, uh, versus uh, Butch Reed, One Man Gang, King Kong Bundy, uh, Ravishing Rick Rude, and Andre the Giant. I skipped somebody on that in that on that list. Um, uh... I skipped. Uh, I skipped yeah, Don Morocco. I, Don Morocco was on the Hulk Hogan's team as well. Yes, he was. And um, and wh- I think what I liked about this match was it was different from the WWF main event formula of that era. Um, for one thing, not only did the faces not win, but Hulk Hogan wasn't even the last face eliminated. Uh, he was counted out, of course. They're not going to pin yeah. him. But then it came down to. Bigelow and the One Man Gang versus Andre. I mean, uh, uh, excuse me, Andre and the One Man Gang versus Bam Bam Bigelow, and he was fighting against the odds and pinned Bundy and One Man Gang and ended up uh, with Andre uh, getting beaten. And I just think this is that was not something that WWF really did much on big shows back then. Was have the heel go over and give the give a different babyface time to shine. It really go it really showed you how much faith they had in Bam Bam Bigelow. And I think he did a really good job in this match with like the come from behind babyface stuff. And it's just it just kind of feels out of time watching it because there's really nothing else like that 
in the WWF at the time. And, you know, ending with a, with a heel winning and, um, and, you know, then Hogan comes out and attacks him. But I thought it was, I just, it just feels cool to me. You know, I, I was, I was young at this, I was like four years old, so I definitely did not watch this live, but I remember just renting it. It just, it just felt refreshing compared to a lot of the other stuff. And I thought, I thought the work was pretty good. You know, there was that weird moment where, um, Hogan, uh, Hogan accidentally like high fived all the team, <laughs> yeah. and then they made him leave, and said he didn't just tag back in. And I guess it's it was a maybe they didn't really mention it. Maybe it was a rule you have to make contact with your opponent before you could tag out. But if if so, that was a very selectively enforced rule. I uh, I have to say, but it's like there so there's weird stuff. You know, there's a lot of weird booking when it comes to Hogan matches. But I just I really thought the booking of this match was cool, and I thought Bigelow did a really good job. This was my number five match. I had okay. it here higher than you. Like you said, just incredibly well structured and planned out. Like the baby faces just steamroll the heels at the start. Butchery goes out pretty quick to a Hogan leg drop. The heels kind of use their size and then they, they get it down to Hogan and Bam Bam. Hogan loses, like you said, and um, but you know he just gets counted out, even though he's like fighting guys on the outside who won't let him back in the ring. But uh, it's Joey Morella for you. So we're left with Bam Bam. Who's only been in the company for a few months, and he has to not only fight you know three other wrestlers, but three monsters. And he, you know, he makes his way, but he can't get the miracle win. Andre beats him at the end. It's just very compelling, and you know the way they had it. Andre won to set up his title shot, uh, the infamous main event one, and help build a star in Bigelow. And um, I mean, the pace is like borderline blinding, especially when you look at you know guys like Don Morocco and Ken Patera at this point. Only kind of weird thing was Rick Rude was treated like barely above a jobber. Even Jesse's commentating how he just can't get out of the blocks. Yeah, they um they they took their time with uh with Rick Rude and uh, getting him to the uh, to the next level there. Even by WrestleMania four, he didn't really seem like anything super special. It kind of took mm-hmm. kind of took to like the 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 Jake feud to really to really kind of make him seem like a star in WWF. Um. Mm. All right. So I believe we are ready for your number six. Number six, I had from 1987, Strike Force, the Young Stallions, the Fabulous Rujos, the Killer Bees, and British Bulldogs against the Hart Foundation, the Islanders, Demolition, the Bolsheviks, and the Dream Team. The first of the uh, the mega ten on ten matches, which is also returning this year. The match goes 37 minutes, which is unheard of but so fast paced I didn't count the number of tags but if there was 200 I wouldn't be surprised it, the whole thing just feels so epic and you know just it's it's very visually interesting nearly all four sides of the ring are taken up by wrestlers to start plus you have you know Bobby Heenan Slick Jimmy Hart Mr. Fuji and uh, Johnny Valiant all huddling outside the ring you know the work is I mean you know the work is consistently good I ding it a little bit because, uh, I mean, the Killer Bees and Young Stallions win, which was, you know, a nice upset. It didn't lead to anything at all. Like, the the Bees were gone in a few months, I think, and, uh, and the Young Stallions never got above that. But, I mean, kind of a, a memorable match. You know, even a slob like Dino Bravo couldn't drag this one down. <laughs> yeah, I actually have this match higher than you. I have it at number four. Oh. Um, Ooh. And, yeah. And I... Um, I just I just find it so entertaining. Like it's it's literally nonstop action for a half hour mm-hmm. to the point where it's like, is this is this the WWF? Like is this nineteen eighty seven WWF? It just seemed weird. And it's not like it was state of the art work. You know, like if no. you ha- if you had a tag team uh elimination match based on teams in uh you know, in Crockett it, at the same time, 
it probably would have blown this one under the water. But of course, you still had the Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs, who were legitimately great teams. And um, you know, I think I personally think that Strike Force and the Rougeos were not so bad either at that time. Uh, Valentine was still a good wrestler. Even I think yeah, the, I mean, even the Islanders I think were pretty good. Yeah, the only bad team is the Bolsheviks, and they were gone in like ninety seconds. So yeah, and then they just yeah. yeah, they just let the workers work, and you know it didn't really like there were no stakes. It didn't matter who won, you know, which you know was a problem with a lot of those matches back then. But it was so different, you know, the whole Survivor Series '87 in general was such a cool event because it was so different from what the WWF was normally putting on television in terms of the focus on just action in the ring and just, you know, they actually used the elimination style to not take breaks. So, you know, it didn't necessarily have a kind of, I guess, what, like a rising action the way a lot Mm -hmm. of the best matches did, but it had action. And that at the time was, was quite something in its own right. Absolutely. Yes. Um, my number six is the um, is the match with Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, Davy Boy Smith, and Psycho Sid versus Yokozuna, Owen Hart, Dean Douglas, and Razor Ramon. It was an elimination match from um, from 1995, and the whole concept of this match was that you had enemies teaming with each other. So you had um, you had Razor and uh, and Dean Douglas on the same team. You had uh, Michaels and Sid on the same team, and uh, Davy Boy against Owen and Yokozuna, and they just had fun with it. You know, they had all these, you know, all these different double crosses. You had Sid power bombing Sean, you know, all these different stuff. And I just thought it was, you know, it was, it was just, just different. They never did anything like that again, as far as I remember. And I thought it was really cool character work, um, you know, leading to. Uh, Leading to the finish, um, and I just, um, you know, I really, I really enjoyed it, and and also they were, you know, they went out of their way to make a star there, where um, you know Ahmed Johnson got the final pin on Yoko. He also was able to pin uh, Owen Hart, and uh, and they had Michaels and Johnson and Davy Boy as the survivors in the end. So they, you know, so that you know, it, it's not like they had the, you know, everybody fall apart. You know, somehow Michaels and uh, Davy Boy were able to hold it together. You know, Sid was gone, and I—I I don't know. I just thought it was a lot of fun. There was—it was almost like comedic in certain points, and I think they could do more with that kind of match if they ever wanted to have an interesting Survivor Series style match. It wasn't like the best work rate match, but I really enjoyed the uh, the character work that they had in it. No, there's some good stuff here. I think it was a very good introduction for uh, for Ahmed, and um, I never really liked. I like <laughs> why would Gorilla Monsoon make this match? It just seemed so weird to me to have enemies team up and uh, just seem to be courting disaster. It's a prank. He's, I guess so. He didn't give a shit anymore, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even remember what the rationale was that, like... <laughs> I don't either. About why he would do this. He wants, but, to, give uh, the, he wants to give the fans what they want. Oh, which is yeah. people teaming with guys they don't like, apparently. Apparently. the fa- Who knew he can read the crowd better than, uh, better than I thought? Yeah, uh, I, I've seen this one before. It's fun, uh, but nothing... I don't know if it would crack my top my top twenty or so, but uh, maybe I didn't rewatch it, so who knows? Maybe I should look at it with fresh eyes. I thought it was wacky fun, which is and just showed the potential of the format. Hmm. All right, how about you, number five? Uh, number five was uh, already discussed the uh, Team Hogan versus Team Andre uh, from nineteen eighty seven. Ah, yes. All right, so my number five is the uh, the second 
of those uh, epic 10-man, you know, uh, no, I guess, what, 20-man tag team elimination matches. This one from 1988 Survivor Series. Demolition, the Brain Busters, the Fabulous Rujos and the Conquistadors and the Bolsheviks versus the Rockers, the Powers of Pain, the Heart Foundation, the, uh, the Young Stallions and the British Bulldogs. And this, you know, it took, um, it took a lot of what was good about the first year, added some new blood, had the, the Brain Busters and the Rockers, who were both, you know, excellent additions, uh, Conquistadors, who, which were uh, not as excellent additions. And, uh, but it also added a, a layer of, of storyline to the match because it was the site of the famous double cross where Mr. Fuji uh, joined the Powers of Pain and there was the double turn with the demolition turning face. Uh, which people seem to really want, and the powers of pain turning heel. Um, and I don't know, there was there was like a little bit of an awkwardness to it because, uh, I don't know, Mr. Fuji's not the world's greatest uh, performer. But I, I think, you know, everyone who was, you know, watching at the time really remembers that as one of the, the fun angles of that era. And it was tacked on to the end of a really good match with good wrestlers. And, you know, a lot of what was good about it before that was just the same as what was good the year before. Just very fast-paced. They gave them a lot of time, and they just went. And they just went the whole time. And, you know, this time, they just it, I, I didn't have it as high because I didn't think the action was quite as good. But I'm sure a lot of people have it higher just because the, uh, the angle at the end, you know, made it much that much more consequential and memorable than the one from 87. Yeah, this was my number three. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought about not having both of them on the list because they are very similar. It, it's like doing your top 10 Nintendo games and you have Mega Man 2 and Mega Man 3 on the list because mm-hmm. you know the case is clearly there, but there are such similarities. Is it necessary? But these are two of the best. And uh, you know, let's face it, the picking can get kind of slim for excellent Survivor Series matches. Yeah, so I would say I so. Had, uh, I had no problem with that. It, it gets the it's better than its counterpart, like you said. I think overall the talent's better. You have the Rockers in here and the Brainbusters. Demolition's more established. Tully Blanchard is just a hero in this match, and uh, something actually happens at the end with the famous double turn, where Demolition, you know, turns face and the powers of pain align with Mister Fuji. And a lot of these matches, it, you know, it doesn't really matter who wins, but this had long-term consequences. And the execution wasn't perfect because Mister Fuji. His actions made pretty much zero sense. He kind of hops on the apron and wants to hit someone with his cane in front of the ref. And I guess uh, I guess that made him mad that his ax said no. So he falls outside the ring, gets counted out. I don't know why the powers of pain felt bad for him. But uh, whatever. The end result was, uh, was good. And uh, outside of the weird stretch where one of the conquistadors is just unpinnable. Like he kicks out like 20 pins. <laughs> A little odd, but uh, no, super stuff overall. Yeah, excellent. Like and like I said, the only reason I had the other one higher just I just preferred the action a little bit more. It, I'm sort of questioning that now, but hey, it's the way I made the list, and I'm going to stick to it. Damn it. Um, so, uh, so my number. Uh, well, actually, we're up to your number four. Actually, my number four would be Team Bischoff of Chris Jericho, Christian, Randy Orton, Scott Steiner, and Mark Henry. Uh, against Team Austin of Shawn Michaels, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, and the Dudley Boys from Survivor Series 2003. Another match with stakes, as either Austin would have to step down if his team lost, or if his team won, I believe he could beat people up was the, uh, was the stipulation. The reason I have this here is the, the last segment, where it comes down to Shawn Michaels on his own against Christian, Randy Orton, and Chris Jericho, although it's not bad at all beforehand. The worst guy here is like Steiner, and he, he's gone pretty quick. But like I said, Sean's the last one on his team. Christian slingshots him into the post. He just hits a gusher. Now he's down three on one. He's bleeding buckets. 
He's fighting back. He manages to hit Christian with a kind of a fluke super kick out of nowhere. So it's two on one. And, you know, he's not playing Superman or making big comebacks. He's barely hanging on. He gets Jericho on a fluke roll up. And then, uh, you know, Jericho uh, attacks him afterwards. So it's down to Sean and Orton. Sean's about to win, hit the super kick. When Batista runs in, power bombs him. Orton scores the pin. And Austin's career as a GM is over. And it's the kind of last scene, you know, Steve Austin, who beats up friends and foes alike after a match all the time, just kind of helps Sean up, and they walk to the back together. I mean, just, like, by far, probably the best stretch of any Survivor Series match. But, uh, you know, the stuff before was good, but that's it's good enough to get to my number four. Yeah, I mean, I had it at number two. And uh, I thought that Michaels was, I mean... You know, Michaels had a lot of good performances, uh, you know, in his second run. But I feel like this is the one that made me say, okay, like, he's as good as he ever was. Um, This particular performance, uh, I just remember watching it and being, you know, for the first time, and being completely in awe. And, you know, there there hadn't been too many great Survivor Series matches in the years prior to that. There was one, there's another one, you know, slightly before that, which uh, I'm sure will come up very soon. But... But this was just like, it took you on such a ride. And it really was all Sean. You know, there were a lot of other good wrestlers in the match. You know, Jericho was really good. Uh, Orton was good. Excuse me. But the way that they, uh, the way that they, you know, put took you on that ride. And Michael's, you know, barely hanging on, getting those, you know, those quick pins. And, you know, and everyone got behind him and then just taking it away from you. And then the the Austin thing, which when I rewatched it, you know, I'd actually forgotten about that element because I remembered Michael so much. But that just added so much of a extra layer of drama and intensity. Just there was it was like double stakes because you had Michael's working his heart out, and then you had Austin. I mean, you know, the thing about the stakes when when we talk about them, and I'm sure we'll talk about them in another match very soon, is they ultimately end up being meaningless a lot of the time. You know, uh, yeah, <laughs> Austin was Austin was back pretty soon. Uh, after that, but it, uh, you know, it just, um, it, it just, you know, in the moment, it adds the emotion that you need that a lot of those earlier Survivor Series matches was missing, and um, yeah, you can do a lot with this type of match, and uh, they rarely do, but this was a great example. Um, my number four was the uh, 1987 Survivor Series match uh, with the tag teams, as mentioned, so uh, we're on to number three. And my number three was the 88 tag team match. Right. Okay. So my number three was from Survivor Series 2014. And it was John, C- John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, Eric Rowan, uh, Ryback, and The Big Show against Seth Rollins, Mark Henry, Luke Harper, Kane, and Rusev. And it was the match that ended the authority in WWE forever. We haven't seen them since. Um mm. Uh, tri- no more Triple H, no more uh, Stephanie McMahon. Uh, you know, I hope they're doing okay. And uh, and of course the the big debut of Sting at the end. Um, but to me, what this match ended up being about were uh, Seth Rollins mainly. It's kind of his, uh, you know, something that showed that he could really be the top heel, I think. Um, and uh, one of those moments that we keep getting throughout history and you know they keep taking it away but one of those moments where you're like oh man Dolph Ziggler is a star and uh, you know he ended up being getting the big final pin and you thought this, they were going to go places with him they really cut him off the knees almost immediately 
after that, just like you hear all the time happening. Um, there've been a few moments like that with Ziggler. We kind of had another one recently where he got to have a big emotional, uh, kind of climax. So, you know, given Dolph's career, uh, it's, it's interesting to note, you know, how he's kind of been pushed around and pushed aside for so much of his extremely long career. But then you just, he's peppered in with these moments where they really make him out to be a big deal. And uh, I don't know why that that dynamic works that way, but it does. But when he's put in those positions, he often rises to the occasion. And I think this was one one time where he really did. And I think that those final sequences uh, with him and Rollins and uh, you know some of the other uh, eliminations near the end, where you know where he eliminated uh, Kane and Luke Harper and and then you know uh, that whole you know final stretch with Rollins. You know I thought that was real excellent. And that's that that was like a forty five minute match. And, um, you know, it got better as it went, as opposed to losing steam. And you don't always get that with these matches. So I, uh, that stood out to me as one of the very best. All right. This was my number one match. Number one. The question, would it be a democracy or dictatorship? Yes. And you largely said it all. It's very long. There are a lot of twists and turns. You had to turn. Mid-match, Big Show switches sides in the middle. You had a shock debut and Sting coming out. He had a great performance with Dolph fighting back. Um, you know, it, it had the stakes. I know it's laughable. They undid it within weeks, and Dolph was sent on the treadmill immediately. But this was the best story they ever did in one of these matches. It had everything I like about them. People kind of already forgotten about it. It was rendered moot immediately, but it really is super. This is, the, the my opinion, the best elimination match for Survivor Series. Yes, and I'm guessing since you know what... what, what you know, that I don't have that as number one, you could probably guess what is my number one. But uh, let's uh, go with your number two, if we have not mentioned it yet. My number two was Team WWF of The Rock, Chris Jericho, Undertaker, Big Show, and Kane against the alliance of Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, RVD, Booker T, and Shane McMahon from 2001. The, uh, the big finale to the whole Invasion angle, the most star-studded Survivor Series match ever. You know, on most shows, they have the big stars as captains kind of spread spread them throughout the matches mm-hmm. but uh not here this this felt like an epic had real genuine stakes the losing team um going out of business they had you know the they kept going back to the locker rooms looking sad or happy at certain intervals it's very long it's 40 plus minutes moves along at a good clip uh shane was the most annoying man ever <laughs> uh but he uh t- gets out of there pretty quick and uh probably preparation for his uh, return to the format 15 years later and uh Team WWF makes a comeback after being down four on uh, four on two. Chris Jericho gets eliminated, flips out, and uh, hits the Rock with a breakdown and puts the uh, WWF at a big disadvantage. We're down to Rock and Austin. It's a pretty big back and forth. Till uh, Kurt Angle turns, wallops Austin. Rock bottom. The WWE is saved. Uh, it goes on long, drags a little bit in points, but it feels epic. A lot of twists and turns, reversals of fortune. Chris Jericho had kind of a rough night. He had some bad miscommunication spots, but whatever. It's uh, is my number two. It's up there. Yes, and it's my number one. And um, it's, uh, you know, because of the roster of wrestlers, you know, it's, you know, Dolph Ziggler and, and Seth Rollins were were awesome. And uh, and uh, Shawn Michaels was awesome in that other match. Um, but this one came down to Austin and The Rock. And, you know, at a time when it still felt meaningful, you know, certainly their, their farewell match in uh, 03 at WrestleMania was great, but this was, you know, like the last time they wrestled with, I think, real consequence against each other, and, you know, it was at the end of an angle that, 
certainly had its ups and downs and didn't have the emotional resonance that it probably should have because a lot of it was comedy. But it was a dynamic era, and those crowds were really hot at the time. And, it, you know, it felt it's just it did feel like an exciting climax. And it was really, I think, the first Survivor Series match that really had those stakes. Uh, I, I don't know if you could. It was there was there one that came before that that really felt like it was really consequential at any point prior to 2001. As far as elimination matches go, I can't I can't think of one with explicitly stated stakes like that. Yeah, so like I think that rises raises it a little bit too that it was like you know the first of its kind, the first Survivor Series elimination match that felt really important, and um, I think that you know that really added to it. So I thought this was uh, you know one of the uh, one of the all time great matches uh, in Survivor Series, um, but you know any of those 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 big three from the one from uh, 2001, the one from 2003, and the one from uh, 2014. Any of those, I think, would be a fair number one. Um, yep. So, uh, did uh, did we mention your number? Well, yeah, so I think well, that's pretty much it, right? We, we kind yep. of we got through all of it. So, yeah. why don't you uh, just real quickly recap your list? Okay, at number 10, I had Team Kofi versus Team Orton from 2009. Uh, number nine was Team SmackDown versus Team Raw from 2005. Uh, let's see, 2013, The Shield and Real Americans against uh, Rey Mysterio, Goldust, Cody Rhodes, and The Usos from 2013. Number seven, we had The Underdogs against The Body Dawns from 1995. Uh, six, The Mega Tag Team Match from 1987. Number five was Team Hogan versus Team Andre from 1987. Uh, number four, Team Bischoff versus Team Austin from 2003. Uh, let's see. Number three was the Mega Tag Team match from 1988. Number two, Team WWF versus The Alliance from 2001. And number one, Team Cena versus The Authority from 2014. All right. In my top ten, uh, number ten was uh, Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat, Jake Roberts, Jim Duggan, and Brutus Beefcake against Honky Tonk Man, Danny Davis, Harley Race, Hercules, and Outlaw Ron Bass from 1987. Uh, number nine was Kofi Kingston, Mark Henry, MVP, R-Truth, and Christian versus Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase, Cody Rhodes, William Regal, and CM Punk from 2009. Number eight was The Ultimate Warrior, Jim Neidhart, and The Rockers against Bobby Heenan, Andre the Giant, Haku, and Arn Anderson from 1989. Um, number seven was Hulk Hogan, Bam Bam Bigelow, Paul Orndorff, Don Morocco, and Ken Patera against Andre the Giant, Butch Reed, the one-man gang, King Kong Bundy, and Ravishing Rick Rude from 1987. Number six was Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, Davey Boy Smith, and Psycho Sid versus Yokozuna, Owen Hart, Dean Douglas, and Razor Ramon from 1995. Number five was Demolition, the Brain Busters, the Fabulous Rujos, the Conquistadors, the Bolsheviks versus the Rockers, Powers of Pain, the Hart Foundation, the uh, Young Stallions, and the British Bulldogs from 1988. Number four was the Killer Bees, Young Stallions, Strike Force, the British Bulldogs, and the Fabulous Rougeau <laughs> Brothers, or at the time, just the Rougeau Brothers, versus Demolition, the Hart Foundation, the Islanders, the Bolsheviks, Greg Valentine, and Dino Bravo. I guess the, the dream team. Um, from 1987. Number three, John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, Eric Rowan, Ryback, and The Big Show versus Seth Rollins, Mark Henry, Luke Harper, Kane, and Rusev from 2014. Number two, Shawn Michaels, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, Bubba Ray, and Devon Dudley versus Chris Jericho, Randy Orton, Mark Henry, Scott Steiner, and Christian from 2003. And finally, number one, The Rock, Chris Jericho, Undertaker, Kane, The Big Show versus Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, and Shane McMahon from 2001. <sighs> 
I did it. All right. So three of yours came from one pay-per-view. Yeah, that's right. 1987. 87 to me was really the only Survivor Series event back when they still had just only Survivor Series matches or mostly Survivor Series matches that was worth a damn. But I think action-wise, it was the best WWF pay-per-view possibly of the whole 1980s, um, at least up until SummerSlam 89, um, I would say. Mm. It was, yeah, it was a, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, honestly, another match from that show, the the women's match from 87, kind of made my uh, honorable mentions list. So, I mean, that's if you never sat down and watched that show, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, it's very good. And I guess maybe there was, you know, hopefully there wasn't any sexism involved in me leaving that match off. Uh, I just, you know, I think back then the way they presented their women, it was hard for me to feel like a connection to the women wrestlers the way I felt it to like the Randy Savages and the uh, Danny Davises of the world. But, you know, I'm hoping for, you know, the next, either this year or the next few years, a uh, another women's match that, you know, that stands out as good. I thought the women's match from uh, 95 was, was pretty solid also. Um, the Alundra Blaze, uh, Aja Kong... Uh, era yes. match. It's a little sloppy and it's only like 10 minutes, but I mean, you know, it's pretty crazy for women's action at that time, so at least on these shores. Yeah, exactly. So pretty soon, hopefully, we'll have more of those to add. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting gimmick, I think. You know, like I said, doesn't get a lot of love as far as the gimmick matches go. I, I don't think they've really ever gotten the most out of it, you know, save for those maybe like three or four matches in our, in our top in our top fives that that really seem to take advantage of all of the elements of drama that you can get in a match like that. And of course you need great wrestlers, but you know, hopefully we'll get some, uh, some more good stuff, uh, this year and, um, and we'll, uh, and, uh, somehow they'll keep the, uh, they'll keep the tradition going in a, in a positive way. Here's hoping. Yeah. Do you think any of, uh, matches this year would have a chance to, uh, crack our updated list? Should we review afterwards? I think that there is always a chance. Um, the matches they have this year, I, I actually would say, yeah, yes. There, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I expect it, but I, you know, give, given there, it's not like as far as top ten, it's not like there's such a high bar to clear to where the, uh, you know, like the Team Raw versus Team SmackDown match couldn't get in the, you know, the lower part of this. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, especially the uh, the the one with um, yeah. I mean, not the not not so much the new day one, but the uh, perhaps know, not. No. But you know, I mean, the other than uh, than Braun Strowman, you have a, you have some pretty damn good wrestlers on that on that Team Raw versus Team SmackDown uh, Team SmackDown match right there with uh, you know even just like you know Owens and uh, Styles you know being uh, against each other. You know, I think Orton's still good. You know, Wyatt and McMahon, I don't know. Um, but uh, but we'll see. And, you know, even the tag team one, that, you know, given, you know, if they if they book it the way they did the old ones, where it's just like boom, 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 nonstop action, don't you mm. think they could probably uh, get something really good out of that if they, uh, if they really wanted to? It's certainly possible, but uh, that could be one of those bang, 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 get it done with and, uh, and get out. Yeah, if they give it like you know, a half hour or 40 minutes like they did the old ones and you had a yeah. lot of Cesaro again and American Alpha in there and, you know, even the Usos. You know, if they, if they, if they let the, the right guys carry the action, I think it could be, could be pretty good. Um, 
you know, and then the, uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm not expecting too much from the, uh, from the women's match this year. I just think that the, uh, it's too lopsided as far as talent where like too many of the, mm. you know, Banks and Charlotte and Bailey are all on team raw and you really kind of have to rely on Becky Lynch on team SmackDown, but I guess it could be a good showcase for her if it, uh, if it turns out to be like her against the world in, in that, in that one, but I'm not really counting on much there. Mm. Um, all right. But yeah, I think, I think we had some fun doing that. Uh, like I said, it's, you know, perhaps I was a little bit rusty. haven't done this in a while, but I, uh, but this was a fun list to make, you know, something that I probably wouldn't have thought of on my own. So I appreciate you, uh, you coming up with the idea, Joe. Um, now maybe, maybe I'll come back for, uh, for Royal Rumble uh, matches. No, wait, I already did that, didn't no, I? No, you did that. I already did that. Um, <clears throat> so I guess it'll have to be Elimination Chambers next. What else can I do? Um, oh, so, we'll do the best uh, non-elimination matches from Survivor Series next year. Yeah, that would be cool. And, Pencil it in. And there are a lot of those. Yes, that'll be a little easier. That'll be a little bit easier. Um, yes, I look forward to that one. And All also, right. non-elimination chamber matches from elimination chamber pay-per-views. I feel like that's, that's where it's at. Um, but anyway, um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, enjoy the Survivor Series. Um, we're all going to be okay. Maybe, probably not. Um, but uh, we'll see. So thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, and... Um, if you uh, next time read a damn book, if you want to learn something, and I will possibly see you again soon. Thank you, and thank you to Joe, and thank you for everyone for listening. Bye.